You're listening to the Creating Your Own Path podcast, episode number 90. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Jen Snyder, and as always, you can listen to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast app. You can also catch a new episode each week at creatingyourownpath.com. So I am back with another episode dedicated to really cool print publications, and I've got Chris Brown of Refueled Magazine as today's guest. Refueled is a beautiful quarterly magazine that's all about community, heritage, and discovery. Once you start listening to Chris talk about how the publication came to be and why he approaches the magazine the way he does, I think you'll get a really good sense for just how much those three elements come into play in his business. In the interview, we talk about the importance of print publications as they fit into the context of truly experiencing the stories and art that we consume. Chris likens the way he experiences print books and magazines to the way he experiences music on vinyl, which actually really hit home for me. He also talks about the balance between doing what fulfills us creatively and focusing solely on what the audience wants or needs, how successfully selling a neighborhood newspaper at a very young age cemented his love for storytelling, and why he has taken Refueled in a slightly different direction this year. I have been following the journey of Refueled and of Chris for quite a few years, and I am so glad we finally made this interview happen. I hope you guys enjoy it. Let's get to Chris. Chris, will you tell us just a little bit about the story behind Refueled and kind of the purpose of the magazine and how did that publication and the, and the brand at large sort of come to be? It, it's it's funny that that folks uh, see Refueled as as a brand or even one certain thing like a, a magazine because in in my mind um, Refueled is more of a, a, a lifestyle for myself. Um, and if anything else, more like personal journals of, of my adventures and, um, what I'm interested in, in, um, in life, you know, basically a story that, you know, I, I can convey to folks is I've, I've always loved print. Um, I've always been interested in, uh, different aesthetics and design. And as, as a, as a child, uh, especially growing up in the, in the 60s and early 70s, I, I was exposed to a lot of different, really powerful media, television, uh, radio, and, and, and print during those, those days. Life magazine was one of the first things that I was exposed to as, as a kid that really struck me as a very powerful tool for getting not only a story out, but conveying a, a certain mood or feel or even, you know, an aesthetic across Life magazine with its large format, full, full page crop photos, very clean, modern design for, for the time, uh, a little a little bit of text, not overwhelming, not something that you would have to really delve into. But I was really drawn to that. But being drawn to that to print media, you know, it never uh, occurred to me that I could share something in that same format until my grandfather bought me my first Mad magazine at the local emporium in town, and and that really spoke to me, I guess, as an as a seven eight year old because it was kind of it was cartoony, but it was also very uh, th- there were messages in there, you know, and how ha- and 
it, it really spoke to like the rebel in me is an eight year old rebel. So just loving print and being exposed to so much different kind of really strong, meaningful uh, media during the time, I wanted to create my own magazine. So at eight years old, I created a kind of a neighborhood magazine called uh, Tejas. Um, I, I, I drew all the covers. I wrote and typed articles about people in and around the neighborhood that I found interesting. I hand drew uh, fake ads for it and, and kind of created this thing on eight and a half by 11 sheets of typing paper, stapled them down the side and began selling them to kids in the neighborhood for 10 cents. That's amazing, by the way. <laughs> so, you know, you know, um, and after a while, my best friend, he started creating a, a, a magazine. So we became like this little small community of self-publishers at eight years old um, and entrepreneurs, if, if, you, if you can tag that along. And really what we were doing is, you know, creating a business. So it, it kind of sparked from there, just my love for media, television, radio, print, just things that I really love. So that's kind of how I got started in the publishing world and refueled just kind of developed throughout the years and what I found I wanted to share with folks. So it took a couple of years to find my voice and to kind of get my my ground on what I wanted to share and what I thought folks might be interested in um, reading about. You said you kind of had this inspiration when you were an eight-year-old <laughs> and you created this amazing publication, which I'm curious, do you have, do you have it anymore? Do you have access to the old... Folk, folks asked about that, and, and I don't. I oh. guess I've sold all the ones that I created. So you were uh, successful. So I was successful. Um, and back in those times, you know, um, being all hand done, I guess I did not make myself some back issues to hold on to. Right, for your portfolio. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, and hey, so, girl, portfolio. Yeah, that's right. I, but, you know, that's some of the – I feel like some of those things – I've come across some things from my childhood and I think, gosh, that's kind of telling, you know, why I created something the way I created it and, and it all of that. You can kind of look into that a little bit um, sure. from a, a psychological standpoint, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but when you, when you look at your professional background, how did you get here? How did you get to this point? So like, what were you doing before you launched Refueled? How did it, because I, one of the things I find really interesting is like all of the different things people have done prior to doing whatever they're doing. At sure. this point. So, so can you kind of walk us through your professional background just a little bit? Sure. Um, at, at a very early age, um, I'd say around four or five, I, I, you know, I picked up pencils and crayons and started, um, you know, drawing um, everything I would see. My mother would sit down with me at the kitchen table and, and put out the, the, uh, the Sunday comics in front of me and, and say, you know, look at this and try to duplicate it. You know, so that was kind of, um, you know, a, a really good lesson on basic drawing skills. So I, you know, I discovered I had a pretty natural talent for, you know, drawing, painting, um, ex expressing myself in, in ways that I wanted to. So that kind of always stuck with me. Right out of high school, I was very involved with music as well and, and started playing guitar around the same age I started creating the magazines. Um, 
So my best friend and I, we, we started a band at around uh, nine or 10 and really started writing songs. Did that all through high school, right out of high school, the same group of guys that I grew up with and had the band with through, through school. We started touring and, and playing the country. I spent a great deal of my life as a musician on the road, playing original music, writing, recording, shooting videos, opening for major national acts around the country, uh, going on tour. So that played a big part of my life as well. I, I feel like I've lived two lives, that, that life and the life I'm living now. Yeah. But, but why pl- while playing music, I, I always had a sense in that, you know, once, once it stopped, I, I always could fall back on, you know, art. So I've spent a great uh, deal of the second part of my my adult life as a graphic artist as well. And I, to this day, have a very small uh, hand-picked selection of clients that I'll work with. So, yeah, that's, that's uh, basically what I've done my whole life, either art or music and now publishing. I, I see that as a pretty well-rounded uh, round circle of that just keeps leading from one thing to another. Absolutely. Well, and it's so interesting because no matter the format, you're still telling stories, right? So I find that really interesting that even though the medium might be different, so whether it's music or art or print, right, or or video or whatever you're doing, um, you're still trying to convey some sort of message. That's a good correlation. Um, so I, I feel like, you know, whether it's through art, music or, or, or publishing, it definitely just falls back into one central theme and, and that's sharing with other folks. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it's so cool. You know, we, you talked about kind of why you went into print um, at such a, a young age, but now print is kind of a, an interesting space to be in. And I think some people have embraced digital so far, you know, to such an extent, if you will, that sometimes print becomes, this makes me sad to say, but somewhat sometimes irrelevant to cer- in certain maybe circles or certain areas of, of content creation. And sure. so- why have you decided to make print such a big part of Refueled? You know, like you do video, you do online content as well. How do you bring print in? And I guess why is it important to you to keep print as part yeah. of the mix? I, I think the answer to that and uh, the answer to a lot of the things that I do to this day goes back to my childhood, um, growing up in, in a time that I felt I feel were was, was such a strong period in American history. But it's, you know, I I think it simply goes back to physically holding those early publications that I was exposed to and and just love so much. Um, You know, there's something about holding a physical piece in your hand, the the weight of the stock, um, the smell of the pages. To this day, I can still vividly remember being a, a, a young boy being under the covers of my bed with a flashlight at night, reading uh, those uh, mad magazines right. when I was supposed to be sleeping, <laughs> I can still vividly smell those pages and and the joy and, and kind of um, security almost that they that they brought me. So when I first created Refueled, it was a digital online um, publication. 
but that was uh, during a time when digital publications were becoming very much the thing. And I thought it was a good format to test the waters to see if anyone were, were even interested in seeing what I had to share. So, but it was always my intention to, to have refueled be in print just because of, um, you, you know, I, I, I have a hard time distinguishing hardbound books, literature, and, and magazines. Um, print, it, it, it all becomes just one thing for me, whether it's hardbound, whether it's in a magazine format, whether it's in a small little five by seven kind of zine thing. It, it, it's all print and, and things that I like to collect have sitting around a table, something you can pick up, something you can lay down again. It almost feels like the way vinyl has come back into play. Um, You know, growing up in the time that I did, that was the way I I was first exposed to music. That's the way I listened to music on vinyl, uh, along with the radio. There were no MP3s or digital files. To this day, um, speaking of MP3s and and vinyl, I, I have probably a collection of over five, six hundred vinyl albums that I've that I've accumulated over my lifetime. And, and those are the things that I keep going back to. Um, there's something about the warmth of uh, a vinyl that you cannot duplicate in a, in a digital file. And, and I think that kind of plays into my mind thought about print as well. There, there's something that can't be you can't capture the feeling uh, looking at a magazine or reading a book online that you can physically holding it in your in your hand, and, and again, I like the, I like to have magazines laying around. I like to pick them up, lay them down, just like I do vinyl. I, I wish folks would start looking at at print publications again, like magazines, and almost treat them like vinyl records from the past. It's something you can you can store, you can have laying around, you can pick up, you can revisit. Um, you can look at the covers, you can, you know, uh, go through again and kind of bring you that same feeling when you first discovered them. So um, that being said, yeah, it has always been my goal to have uh, refueled and print for, for those very reasons that I just think it's just the way I prefer to consume things. Right. Well, and I think you kind of, well, you touched on a couple of things there, but um, there's definitely still a market for it. And I think the market, I, I would like to hope, <laughs> as somebody who also very much enjoys print and vinyl, um, that, that there is a market and I hope it's growing uh, in terms of having it kind of come back. But I do think that what you said about it being kind of the, an experience, to me, reading an article online, it's not an experiential thing. It's not something where I remember down the road where I was when I read that thing or when I listened to that thing, that music, that piece of music. Or sure. um, I, you don't have that same like memory trigger. And um, I don't know if that's a generational thing or, you know what I mean? Because I do, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, sound like an old woman here, but, um, I worry about (laughs) the younger generations who maybe aren't in touch with actually physically experiencing something. No, I, I Um, I agree with you. And I I understand because I have, uh, I have two teenage daughters that, uh, I I feel the same way that with you is that, you know, I, I find, I, I find myself finding ways to, um, to expose them to things that, that I loved as a child. And, And one of those being 
you know, physical books that, you know, there, there's a, there's this something that's, uh, unattached to, to reading something on a laptop or an iPad, um, that there's, there's not really a connection to it. You know, online stuff is, it, it's very, insp- it's very, uh, uh, informational. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I can't really, or, or don't really want to carry my laptop out into the middle of the woods into a cabin um, right. and and sit there on, on the porch drinking coffee and smoking a pipe and and with and your Kindle my, and <laughs> with, with my Kindle exactly <laughs> you, you know I I want an old uh, folded crusty copy of uh, Jack Kerouac's On the Road with me right I, yeah I, something classic I don't want it on an uh, audio book. Right. um, Right. And I think it's interesting you you said that because I think there is, and this is something that I've been kind of working through myself is that I feel like there's time and space for all of it. Right. And and not, not to say that we have to do all the things or read all the things or consume all the things, but I think there is room for things like Instagram and there's room for things like reading articles online. But I, I, I would like to hope that there's also room for setting down the digital side of things and picking up some a physical copy of something, whether it's a print publication or, like you said, vinyl or or something, so that people are still getting that like full experience of being present with whatever their whatever type of content they're consuming, you know. And so, um, I don't want to sound like. Um, an old fuddy daddy or anything, because I think that, you know, I love Instagram. I love seeing these stories from people, um, who are doing really interesting things, like especially in their work. And so, um, and so I, you know, I don't want to knock all of those things, but. Sure. I, I, I I think, I think digital, I think online, I think, uh, Instagram, all, all things that are really important to, our society today, they're great ways of communicating. Um, can digital and print live hand in hand? Absolutely. And, and I think, I, I think they should, but it, I, I just feel, um, I feel great joy in knowing that there is both still the option and, and you can pick and choose of how you use them. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. It's all about, um, kind of being intentional, I think about it, but, um, Anyway, so I want to talk about your content just a little bit because this year you switched things up a little bit in terms of just really how you present the magazine to readers. So can you talk about the shift a little bit and, and why you decided to make that change this year? I think, um, yeah, for the last eight years, um, I've been publishing Refueled in, in basically a, a traditional magazine format, uh, five by 11, you know, size um softbound format and those issues had included a lot of content you know anywhere from eight to to eleven uh features some on photographers some on makers um maybe just some adventure features so yeah i've been doing kind of the the basic format um as folks would tend to see it i guess um there wasn't a conscious effort to switch things up but i i want to always keep refueled evolving um, just because my interests are in so many areas that I, I tend to get a little bored myself with seeing something the same way all the time. Um, so if folks uh, have been reading Refuel from the very start, they'll notice that 
the the mass head has changed um if there even has been a mass head uh changed in the look the, the look of the magazine the aesthetic has definitely changed um it's it's you know every everything i do i i try to learn as i go along and it's always a learning experience but but this year i kind of did something a little bit different i started um what's called the one series because i felt like having a standard um magazine with standard format where you're featuring a lot of different things the features were always great um always visually great always had a lot of great content but i felt like there wasn't enough room to really start delving into subjects that i wanted to delve into so i figured by creating the one series and having a whole publication 122 to 125 pages on one subject matter whether that be a artist, a maker, a photographer, or just simply an adventurer, I thought that would be a great way to really delve into not only aesthetically with a lot of great photography, but give me a lot of space to delve into the subject matter. So I released three issues of the one series back to back pretty much at the beginning of the year and then has have spent the last 3 months working on a special edition of the one series um a photography book by uh actor photographer Jason Lee which we just um put on sale it's sold out in a little over 72 hours oh my gosh and then there'll be one more of the series coming out in um December the one series gave me a great opportunity to really delve into the subject that was featured the folks that were featured and present them in a in a, in a little bit different uh, more expressive format so yeah the, the the series has been received really really well um so i i think i'm going to continue it on next year but you know as soon as i say that i might just start doing hardbound books more i may start delving into um video more um I don't like to plan too far ahead. I kind of fly by the seat of my pants. So yeah, that was that was a series and and kind of the reason I shook things up this year, but being perceived and received so well, I I see that leading to um maybe another year of of doing the one series maybe also mixed with a couple of um hardbound books that I have in the works um in releasing those as well. Yeah, the the one series, the way you set it up, it seems like it's so rewarding. It, that's one thing I always try to think about in in terms of how people work is, you know, certain things might become kind of old hat or you're tired of doing it or whatever. And so I think it's interesting to see somebody who switches it up and kind of understand the results of that, you know, and um and then also how rewarding it could be to really be able to spend so much time really diving into something like that. Yeah, exa- exactly. I and I'm not sure that it's just about shaking things up or or changing things up because or 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 then again it could be because, you know, I I not only want to keep things interesting for myself, um I want to keep things interesting for the readers as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's so important, right? You know, um 
And I think when we experiment with things, I mean, I've, I've done it in my work too, you know, where you kind of turn a corner and you hope people follow along. Um, and some, some do and some don't, you know, sometimes people fall off and sometimes you end up kind of gaining attention in, a, in maybe with maybe a group of people you didn't expect or, or whatever. Sure. And so sure. I think that's always interesting because I just appreciate when people take that sort of uh, risk, I guess, to experiment in that way. And, you know, you said you've tested the waters online and all of this stuff, but you still have to take a certain leap when you really do switch things up. And and it's funny, I'm not sure I, I, I see it as a leap because Refueled has always been such a personal project to me. Um, going back to the beginning when I said that they feel very much like personal journals to me. You know, I, I want the folks reading Refueled to enjoy what I'm doing, what, what I'm sharing. But but in the end, the magazine will always just uh, represent what I find interesting and what I find personally satisfying. I feel extremely lucky that folks have come along for the ride. But if people dropped off and stopped reading the publication, I'd still probably uh, publish it just for myself. <laughs> I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I, I do it for myself first, and I feel extremely blessed and lucky that folks have come along and, and, and kind of like what, um, what I'm sharing. Well, and it's interesting you put it that way, because I think so often in the various industries, especially I, I think especially in sort of the creative industries, so much of the focus can be on the let's just say the end user, right? So whether they are readers, listeners, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? But what the way you just phrased that reminds me of a lot of musicians I've talked to. A lot of musicians do that. You know, you look at some musicians who have had very long careers and who have albums where some of their fans think, oh my gosh, why did he or she do that thing that was so different from what they did before? Right. Um, whether they go solo or they kind of cross over into a different genre or whatever. And so often musicians are like, well, screw it. This is what I'm feeling like I need to do right now. And so they do it. I, I think that's important as well. I, I think it's important to be able to wake up in the morning and go to sleep at night and knowing that you're you're being true to yourself and, and doing what you want to, to do. I there There's a quote and I'm trying to remember it from Bob Dylan saying, you know, if if you go to bed and wake up in the morning and put on your pants, uh, you're, you're, you're successful. Um, <laughs> if you're, if you're being yourself basically to, to recoin the, uh, the, uh, the quote I'm trying to think of basically saying, if you're true to yourself and you're happy with what you're doing, then you're successful. And that's exactly kind of the mindset I'm always in. Yeah, which is, I mean, it's such a good lesson for, well, for me, um, but for, probably for people listening to is that it's good to remember kind of the why behind what you're doing. It doesn't always have to be for other people. It can be for yourself sometimes, too. Right. And and it's, it was always my goal from the very first to not really get caught up in, you know, the business end of, uh, of, of publishing. And, and that's one thing that can very easily creep into folks that are thinking about or that even have a publication. Of course, there is a business in, but to always worry about how many readers do you have? Um, how far around the world is it? Is it reaching? Um, how, how well is it selling? Not fun things as, as an artist or a creative person to have to or want to worry about. 
again, I feel very lucky that I've, I've able to take what I consider a really small indie publication and I've gotten so much exposure and, and great feedback and great readership from. So yeah, again, I feel really uh, blessed. Yeah, absolutely. And I kind of, you know, it's a good segue because I do want to talk about the business side of things a little bit because it matters. <laughs> I mean, it's even, even though, you know, I, I fully agree with what you're saying in that you, you do have to wake up and be okay with yourself. Um, but I'm curious how you've built profitability around the refueled brand. So we've, we've talked a lot about print, but you do use a lot of different mediums. You've got really great video. You've, um, you do a lot of online stuff and you said you have a select group of freelance clients. So I'm curious, how do you keep the business side of things up and running? I I would say to a great, great degree. Um, when I think it fits the vibe of a certain issue that I'll be releasing, I have advertisers, that being said, I, I don't openly solicit advertisers. Most of the folks that, that do advertise in the magazine are friends and or associates and are folks that I really love, their business, their their aesthetic. You'll never see something in the magazine as far as uh, advertising goes that I don't think fits the vibe of, of what I'm trying to get across so that being said, the publication um, does exist financially to some degree on on advertising that I think uh, works well. Mm-hmm. I, I physically we sell copies of the magazine through the website, and and yeah, that that's that's pretty much it. You know, if you really delve into kind of a business model. And folks are interested in, you know, well, I've got a day job right now and I'd love to create a magazine on the side and try to to make some money out of it. First of all, my first my first response to that would be don't do it for money. Do not create a a publication if you're just looking to have extra income or you think you're going to get rich and be able to retire, because I feel like that's that's not a good reason to, to create something but that, that being said, although it seems like re, refueled may be the only thing that I'm doing right now at the time, you know, we talked earlier about my uh, small clientele for graphic design. That definitely helps fund things that I'm doing in, in life. But my graphic work falls along in the same um, vein of how I look at my life and how I construct my life and how I even construct a refueled. You know, I, I'll only take on clients or prefer to do um, projects that I really find a connection to, that I think I can contribute to, that I feel my aesthetic could, could lend something to that, that project. With all aspects of projects that I work on, um, whether it be graphic design, whether it be video, whether it be print, um, I continue to say I think I'm one of the luckiest people um, that I know to be able to do uh, on a daily basis what I'm doing. Right. When people are doing things like the things that you're doing, I think there's always this question that's like, well, okay, so does he have a have a day job that pays? You know what I mean? Because print publications, I think there is this assumption <laughs> that there is just no way that they could be possibly paying the bills with this thing, right? And especially in this day and age. I've, I've talked to print publishers who also um, 
have creative agencies, you know what I mean? And so they, yes. they do things like that. And, and so often those things can really go hand in hand really well. And they do go really hand in hand really well. Um, and, and getting back to kind of, a, you know, a, a business, uh, part of it, I, I guess if folks look at, you know, a, in, in our, uh, curious about how could a publication, you know, pay the bills in, there are different forms of publications. You can you can be anywhere from um, the higher end publications, and, and them still appear to be kind of indie magazines. But they have you know a very a big company publisher behind them, and which uh, which definitely uh, you know is an easy route to to go if if that's what your thing is. It, it's it's never it's never been my intention or or goal to find a, a publishing company or even a, a, a small group of investors who would want to take refueled to even more of a higher level of exposure. And I'm not really sure um, what that exposure would be. You know, the, it, does that mean finding refueled on the shelves of Barnes and Noble? And to, to me, that's not what refueled has ever been about. I have readers all over the world. So I'm a, I, I'm thinking how could it get how could there be more exposure for refueled than what I already have? And I, I just I, I love keeping it very indie. Yeah. Very very hands-on. I would never, you know, turn over um refueled and and what I, I feel like I want to share to a group of people that would have an input and editing what I want or even, you know, deleting or saying this doesn't feel right for, I, that's something that I would never want. So I, so I guess I just, I try to work within, as far as a business sense, within a circle that I feel comfortable in. Yeah, which I think is also really important to think through because, you know, there is always that like, okay, do I, do I, do I scale up, you know, or do I just stick with what I enjoy and what I know and what I love and, and be cool with that. Um, because I think a lot of times we're, I don't know, I feel inundated oftentimes with like, oh, you have to do this and you've got to do that. And you can do this one thing and you can grow by, I don't know, 200% or whatever. And there's always something else you could be doing, you know, to to grow. And, um, man, that's a lot of pressure. (laughs) Not only a lot of pressure, it almost, it almost becomes a whole different mindset and a whole different scope than what, you know, creating is all about you know what I mean I'm not sure that you're in the right field if what you're trying to do is create something huge that that all it involves is is a profitability right right yeah it's a it's a delicate balance because I think you know you also don't want to buy into that like starving artist idea that that you've got to really suffer for your art either you, you know it's, it's sure. there's it's, there's a balance there and so sure. um it's cool to hear how you've sort of struck that balance so I appreciate you sharing that I know it's sometimes talking about money's hard but I appreciate you sharing that yeah so for those people who are listening you know my audience first of all they're awesome I might be a little biased but I enjoy them uh so uh but they are you know it kind of runs the gamut they are in various creative fields some of them are designers some of them are writers some of them um, some of them create publications, some, you know, they're artists, everything. And so do you have any advice for them if maybe they're just getting started or they have an idea, you know, are there any things that you kind of wish you knew before launching Refueled? Wow. That's a, 
That's a good question. I, I, I think my answer may be really short and sweet. Um, it, the only advice that I can give and that I have given in the past is just be really true to yourself. Take money out of the out of the equation. Would you still do what you're doing if money was not a factor, if payment was not a factor? If the answer is yes, then I'd say, you know, you're you probably touched on something that you'll be really happy with, will, will be very satisfying, and that you'll continue to feel true to yourself about. So that's kind of on the advice end. Was Is there something that I wish I knew before I got into this? Um, not, not really. I think uh, from a very early age, uh, my father instilled in myself and my siblings a very, very strong work ethic. Find something that you love to do. Put all of your heart into it, put all of your time into it, and do it to the best of your abilities, and you will be successful. That still sticks with me to this day. So anything I've ever wanted to set out and try to tackle in, in my life, I always you know, have that, that background to pull from, and it has made me very unafraid to, to try to do and try to be successful. Well, I think that's really good advice. So, you know, we're just kind of wrapping things up. Where is the best place online for everybody to find out more about you and Refueled? I think the one place anybody would want to go to would be refueledmagazine.com. It's pretty complete and encompassed in that in that one location. So, yeah. All right. Well, thank you for your time today, Chris. I really, really appreciate it. Absolutely. It's been a, a great pleasure to speak with you and your, your listeners, and uh, it's been great fun. That was Chris, you guys. As he mentioned, you can find out more about Refueled at refueledmagazine.com. I'm also linking up to every other place you can find Chris and Refueled Magazine on the internet, along with all of the other fun stuff we mentioned in today's episode over at creatingyourownpath.com. And don't forget that the best way to show Creating Your Own Path a little love is by heading over to iTunes, rating the show, and leaving a review. It really, truly does help others find the show, and I read and appreciate each and every review that comes in. You can also, of course, share your favorite episodes on social media or tell a friend about the show. And just one more thing before we go, I just wanted to thank you all so much for your love and support after last week's interview. It, it meant more than I can even express to have so many of you reach out via social media or, you know, email, all of that. It was really wonderful to hear from you guys. I am so lucky to have a community full of such amazing people. So as always, you guys, thank you for listening and I will catch you next week.